Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Championship weekend as the road to Roland Garros continues on the red clay in Spain. Welcome to TC Live from Madrid. Now just about three weeks away from the year's second major in Paris. Here's what's coming up on the big show. What a birthday celebration for Carlitos in La Caja Magica. First, he wins his semifinal. Then he literally had his cake and ate it too. Plus, we preview Saturday's women's final between number one Iga Sviantek and number two Arena Sabalenka. Both women continue their roads to Roland Garros. And this is not a French pastry factory. We'll take you behind the scenes at a tennis ball facility to see exactly how they make these fuzzy yellow spheres of joy. Come on in to our studios here in Santa Monica, California. Steve Weissman in between Andrea Petkovic and Chanda Rubin. We've got Andy Roddick. Over on the big wall, the finals are set for both the men and the women in Madrid. Cannot wait to get down and dirty and preview championship weekend. But we got to start with some big news. Rafa Nadal announcing today that he will not be playing the Rome Masters. He hasn't played since the Australian Open. Andy, what is your reaction to this? This is tough. Um, if you know Rafa, he likes to get those matches in before Roland Garros. Uh, this is a serious theory, serious thing, Stephen. You hate to say it out loud, but if he's missing Rome, then all of a sudden Roland Garros comes into question. Will he would would he want to come back with this injury on a slippery grass court? You know, uh, he's not at the beginning of his career anymore. I promise you that. So you hope that there is. Uh, a recovery in place. You hope that this is precautionary. You hope that this is just a huge bet on uh, on Roland Garros and wanting to be a thousand percent there. But listen, uh, like I said before, the space between Rafa's uh, injuries is getting tighter and tighter. First time since 2004 that he's missing the Rome Masters. He's won it a record 10 times. Uncle Tony did say earlier this week, Rafa will be playing Roland Garros. What is your level of concern? I mean, is that for is that for sure? Is that a hundred percent from Uncle Tony? I, I don't know, but I do think it's tough when you pull out of Rome and there are literally no matches going into Roland Garros. Certainly, you hope that for uh, Rafa, it means that he's a hundred percent or maybe right there, and he just wasn't quite ready for Rome, but he will be ready for Paris. I think if he is. Absolutely, you still have to give him a shot. He's that good on this surface. But the concern is that the injury is still a problem, that he's not quite ready physically. Uh, and if he's in that state right now as we speak, it would be tough to imagine him in Roland Garros. 
I, and I think we're tiptoeing around it a bit, but the thing that comes into play is age. Unfortunately, it is age. That's why it takes so much longer to recover an injury that we initially thought would take six to eight weeks. Now it's become longer and longer. And as Chanda said, he's still the best on clay. And if he shows up in Roland Garros, he's still the favorite to win. But this is what age does to you, unfortunately, is the slow down recovery time. The injuries take longer to feel 100%. Do they ever feel 100%? That's the question. So hopefully we'll get to see him in Roland Garros and if not there, soon back on the tour. Yeah, absolutely. 14 times he's won Roland Garros, but all those times he's played at least one lead-up clay court event before that. Hope to see Rafa in Paris. We will keep you updated with the very latest news here. Carlos Alcaraz trying to join Nadal as the only back-to-back -back winners in Madrid history. Last year, after beating Rafa and Novak Djokovic in the quarters and semis, Alcaraz took out Alexander Zverev for the title. That part of his current 19-match win streak on Spanish soil. And this is the third straight year that Carlitos is playing on his birthday, no longer a teenager. Now in his 20s, Andy, looking to get the dub against Borna Chorich. Yeah, great hustle for Chorich there. And what is your reward? A deft backhand lob over the top, the two-shot combo there. And look at what Alcaraz is able to do when he's on break court. Shooter's going to shoot, Steve. Absolutely bone crushes that forehand. But also, he could have gone up the line there. It's almost pick your poison uh, with this guy at this point. And just so skilled in so many different ways. I'm going to take this on the short hop. I wish I had a backhand volley like that, Steve. <laughs> Things might have been a little bit different. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But look at the space that he's able to create. You have to cover line. You have to cover cross court. You have to stay deep. You have to cover the drop shot all at the same time. It is absolutely confusing. Looks like he should be out of position standing where he stands to return. But he's right back there able to cover that ground. And how do you put it in front of someone who is actually at the net and is fast? <laughs> I don't know how this actually works. Never was was, uh, was one for feel myself, Steve. But but here we are. And, look at, and even this is like he plays out the middle torch knows he has to force it but it's not a great ball to force there are just no good decisions carlitos moving on looking great uh, i don't even know what else to say steve it's just confusing how good this kid is and that's why you say most complete 19 20 year old you, you have ever seen not necessarily saying the best like some twitter trolls would would uh put into your mouth but you know the most complete and happy birthday to carlitos takes a bite out of that cake he was basically eating just the icing, I believe, there. <laughs> I don't know how much cake he got. Uh, all fondant for Carlos Alcaraz, who is now looking for his fourth straight title in Spain. How about this? Into his fourth Masters 1000 final. He's 3-0 thus far. Fifth final in six tournaments played this year. Amazing stuff. Let's hear from Carlitos. Through to another final. Tell us what it means. Well, it, it means a, a lot to me, you know, playing a, a final again here in Madrid. Uh, it's such a, a special uh, place for me. Uh, I, I have great, great memories since I came here to play under 12. So, and uh, of course, turning 20 uh, like that is uh, it's always special. So I, I, I will enjoy the, the final here. And uh, of course, I, I try to, to make all Spain happy. 
It's a good good day to be Carlos Alcaraz. You celebrate your birthday, you get a win, you're into another final. What stood out to you from that match? I mean, he was incredible. The thing that stood out to me was really game plan. I know I keep coming back to it, but I was so impressed with Borna Cioric today. He really came out and he believed he could win the match. You could see it in his face. And I love that mindset because we've been talking about Carlos Alcaraz for weeks and months and almost two years now. And Borna Cioric came out to play and to win. And that's very hard to do when somebody is such a huge favorite. But the thing that tr struggled, that he struggles with are the off-pace balls on his forehand. He just can't seem to accelerate those balls sitting up. And when it was break point, Carlos just spinned it up into the air and got the unforced error. So that game plan, he's even smart. We know what the skills he has, but he's also smart, or his coach is, whoever is, it was a perfect game plan at the most important moments. He played the shots that he needed to play, and he got the win. Yeah, I think, you know, a guy like Borna George, he's not easy to get through. I mean, he knows how to compete. He's a good mover around the court. It's tough when you get broken so early in the match and that two-all game, it just looked then like a lot of the air got let out of the belief in, in Borna Chorich's game. And you look at Alcarez, you look at his skill set, how good he is at understanding how to play aggressive tennis and play to his strengths. And with Chorich, the backhand is a terrific shot. But it's difficult to beat Carlos Alcaraz just with the backhand side because he moves so well. He has that ability to use the forehand and control the court. And I think this was just a tough matchup. It was a matchup issue for Chorich. And Alcaraz, again, just so impressive with how he handles these moments, whether he's the favorite or not. Now he's the favorite all the time. But he just seems to handle these moments so beautifully. Yeah, and even if you have a great game plan and your coach is talking to you the whole time, you still have to make the right choice on shot selection, right? He, it feels like he never looks dumb playing a drop shot, which is not a realistic thing for any of us, right? Normally, it's someone who hits a drop shot with the frequency that he does normally looks dumb every once in a while where it's like, well, that wasn't the shot to play. We don't say that often at all, and it's one of the most dominant shots in tennis. And, and the second thing that's so impressive is we saw in that highlight, it looks like Chorch is making unforced errors, and, and uh, Petko uh, referenced it. But it's a cumulative effect, Steve, right? We see him miss a ball in the middle of a court that's deep, but that's because he's been out there for an hour and 20, and he's realizing that might actually be the best ball I get this entire rally. I have to force the issue on a ball that I don't want to, and that is what the greats make you do. Play outside of your comfort zone, make bad decisions, and make you attack from places and with shots that you don't want to. Yeah, his game is suffocating. 117 wins in his first 150 tour-level matches. That is the most in the open era out of all of them. So who will he meet in the final? How about the third time in Masters history? Two players that were in qualies playing in the semifinals. Aslan Karatsev and Jan Leonard Struff, Andrea. And it's a rematch from the qualies. Yeah, that's crazy. Unseen before. And we see Aslan Karatsev right here. And you see the tape on his left thigh. This would come back to haunt him. But he came out firing those ground strokes and those calves. We're in place. He served well. He won 86% of points after his first serve. Unfortunately, this quality dropped down, and Jan Lennart Struff, or Struffy as we like to call him, he really found his game. He was serving so, so well. He managed to find more ways into the net, which is so such an important part of his game in general, but especially in Madrid in the altitude to keep the points short. And then in the third set, unfortunately, we could see Aslan Karatsev being hampered 
by that injury, or as Mark Petchy would like to say, lame but still lethal because we do know an injured animal can sometimes be the most dangerous one because he saved four match points on one leg. This was insane shot making right here, but Trophy, he was brave, he served well, and he got the win in the end. You're so right about injured animals. Yeah, they're, they're dangerous. They are dangerous. <laughs> you do not want to encounter them in the wild, but somehow, some way, Strophy able to come through. He is trying to become the second lucky loser to win an ATP Tour title this season. First ever in the final of a Masters 1000 event. Live ranking up to a career high 28. Started the year at 150. That is insane. Let's hear from the man. Amazing. Um, didn't thought about this uh, before. I mean, I played one finals in Munich with no crowd because it was COVID. Now here, amazing crowd. I think uh, on Sunday will be also a very good crowd. Maybe not all rooting for me, but it, it's fine. Um, very happy to, to reach the final and uh, yeah, very, very happy with the win. Andy, what did you think of the way he was able to overcome those nerves at the end and push through for the victory? Yeah, listen, it's it's not easy playing against someone that you know is injured sometimes, right? On top of it being the most important match of your life, on top of uh, all of the nerves that come with a normal match, right? So I think he's done a great job of, of navigating the ebbs and flows of, of his matches this week, and he's taken advantage of opportunities. Sitsabas had nine break points the other day, converted one. Struthi had one break point and converted one break point. Today, Karatsev, it felt like he was getting into more service games uh, of Struthi. And But listen, when Struthi had the chances, he was taking advantage. He is so committed to his game plan of getting forward and using lines. You know, sticking backhand cross court and then moving the forehand around and always looking to get forward, doing a beautiful job of mixing in serve and volley. You don't really know what's coming at any time. Uh, even if it's not working, just the threat of it creates better opportunities for him. So he's playing great scoreboard tennis this week. I just love how Andy's calling him Stroofy. I mean, <laughs> it's a thing. The other Andy started it, and, you know. It's, there you go. It's just it caught on. Take it and run with it. But I mean, I've been impressed with Stroof and the way he was able to rebound. It's not easy sometimes when you get a big win against Sitsipas, number five in the world. He's been injured. He's been looking for these opportunities. Had to play extra matches to even get into the tournament to be able to reset enough to play a match that you then know is so winnable but you lost to that person the week before. Most tennis players love to get that opportunity. You lose to somebody, you want to play them right away the next tournament if you can so that you can turn that around. And I think Struff kind of took on that challenge um, from that perspective because Karatsev, it's not an easy matchup because he hits the ball so big, but I think Struff did a good job. And Andrea, you mentioned it in that second set. He was able to get in a little bit more, turn things around, get the early break, uh, and he really took advantage. Not easy at the end to close it out, but that that's true of any big match. Trying to get to a 1,000 final, huge moment, and he got over the finish line. And now he gets the top seed, Carlos Alcaraz. All eyes are on Carlitos, but he's beaten him before. He beat him on clay at Roland Garros two years ago, had a tough match at Wimbledon last year. What's the pathway to victory for Struff in this final? I'm actually so excited about this matchup. I think this will be a match where we'll see both guys trying to come in and trying to cover the net. And I think it's going to be really hard for Struffy to find, because we saw it today in the first set against Karatsev. He struggles with players who hit so hard and so big that he seems to forget to find his way to the net. So it will be really interesting to see if, it, if he can sneak his way in and if he can serve well. I think this is going to be key for him. He needs to have a lot of first serves in and he needs to serve big and try and get to cover the net because Carlos will try and do the same.
So who's going to be at the net first? That's the question. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, that Struff might struggle with is that getting that back in, getting it directionally cross court consistently off of such a big ball. He kind of lays off and kind of has that close-handed uh, situation where he really needs to get around the outside uh, of the ball. Carlos is going to be cheating that way, wanting to munch on forehands. And the second thing that I'm really curious, and I think we'll see it in the first couple uh, of games on Struffy's serve, is listen against Sitsipas, he goes way back. But he also has a pocket that's maybe weak if you can get the serve up and away on the backhand side. And, uh, and Struff was able to serve and volley on that side and get some weak replies uh, from Sitsipas. It's going to be a different animal with uh, with Carlos. Carlos is going to go drop way back. And even if he runs it in on body, he's going to be able to get out of that uh, way back position, hit it with a lot more authority than we saw from Sitsipas. So Struff's going to have some interesting decision making on whether to force that ball or whether to stay back. But it's going to come in a lot heavier than he's seen. Yeah, I think it'll be an opportunity for Struff to be more aggressive. I mean, I think that's the real way to rush Alcaraz. It's not easy to do, but Struff has that ability to be the ability because he can come in, he can serve in volley, he gets in so quickly after his serve. So that could pose some problems. And if he can keep it tight, I mean, George got broken early in the match. Struff has got to hold on to his serve. He's got to go toe-to-toe, keep some pressure in the match early. And I think that's his best opportunity. Yeah, all great points. And getting those first serves in is going to be huge because today Alcaraz won 60% of his second serve return points. So uh, got to serve big, got to be able to, to play a little bit aggressive, but looking forward to this big match on Sunday. Carlitos, by the way, not the only one celebrating his birthday today. How about our guy Chris Eubanks turning the big 2-7 today? Big Banks is in Korea. He's playing a quarterfinal match tonight, and look at that. <laughs> Baby Eubanks was a big Courier fan. That's a great poster, Andy. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Weirdly, I had this I had this weird want for Chris to move out of the way just to see how short that short actually was that Jimmy <laughs> used to sport back in the day. But uh, listen, love Chris Eubanks. I think he is uh, so talented uh, on air. I think Tennis Channel is lucky to have him uh, when we do, and I uh, hope he's having a great birthday. Got to the quarterfinals in Korea last week, back in the quarterfinals again this week. He's at 88 in the world. I mean, the, the TC bump has been huge for him. No, he's balling. And, you know, he's <laughs> such a smart guy. He is very studious, really wants to learn the game, learn from others as much as he can. And I think that's a big part of his success, that and the big servant and getting in. Keep getting in, Chris. Don't stay back. <laughs> Amazing. Happy birthday, Chris, uh, in Korea. We wish you the best of luck tonight. I think 6 o'clock Pacific time is his match in Korea. I'll be, I'll be following the live scores. Coming up still here on TC Live, we've got Chanda in-house to do her FanDuel pick of the day, finally, for this week. And not only that, everything you need to know about the women's final. Our experts make their picks. Who's taking Iga? Who's taking Arena? Find out. Welcome back to TC Live. Chanda, Andy, Andy, Steve with you. Mark your calendars for the year's next major tennis channel. Proud to once again have exclusive daily live coverage of Roland Garros. Iga Sviatek looking to defend her title on the Terba 2. It all begins Sunday, May 28th. Will Rafa be there? We sure hope so. Time now for our FanDuel match preview. Getting you caught up from yesterday, Chanda. And how about this? Hey, Chanda. Struff over Karatsev. Is that, did you, is that, was that your pick? Yeah. No, right? So there it you go. It says it right there. It says it right there. So 725, <laughs> your, your winnings are up. 
Yeah, so I was trying to figure out, was Struff the favorite at the start or Karatsev based on Struff was. Yeah, yesterday okay. he was the favorite. So that's a good bit of winnings for the favorite. Okay. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. It was very close. It was okay, close. okay. All right. 26 and 12, I mean. But every time I pick wrong, I get minus $10. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. Andy, right Andy what's slash. your advice for Chanda for these, <laughs> these picks? That's because you're picking the favorites most of the time, Chanda. I got to tell you, 38 matches called and $3 won. Chanda, we, we, we got to start going. We got to start taking some risks. Well, yeah, but Andy, when you pick like Medvedev, that's not a risk. So I can't learn from you. I, listen, I, all, all I'm doing is is giving my opinion against your pick. Listen, I, it doesn't say Andy Bucks. It says Chanda Bucks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you can't help me. But thank you, though. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm here if, we, if you ever want to talk. <laughs> all right. Here's, here's our first expert pick of the day for the women's final. Take it away, Chanda. I just want to hear if Andy is going to agree. You already see my pick. Okay. It's out there. You know, we can, we can move this along. Of course, I think this could be tight, actually. But I think Spiontech, on this surface, on clay, you know, the altitude, maybe that gives Sabalenka a little more opportunity to rush the Spiontech forehand. I just don't think it'll be quite enough. I think Eagle will find ways to open up the court to get the ball out of the middle, and that's going to be a little tougher for Sabalenka um, on this clay. But it'll be interesting to see if yeah. Sabalenka can upset the apple cart, so to speak. She, once again, Iga's the favorite. So, you know, we're, we're trying to get some more <laughs> Chandabucks there, Andy. But w would you take Sabalenka? Uh, listen, in a straight-up matchup, I like Spiontech. I don't think I would ever choose against her. But is Sabalenka going to win this match one out of four times? Probably. Is it worth the upside to take the underdog at minus 280? Probably. So, <laughs> listen, if I'm betting on if, – if, if, I'm, if I'm concerned about my win-loss record, I'm taking Spiontech. But, Chanda, we're trying to win money. No, we're not, The smart Andy, money's on I'm Sabalenka. I'm yes, to we... win money, Andy. Listen, I'm trying to make the right picks. Chanda. <laughs> Chanda, you don't you don't you, you you don't go on FanDuel you don't go on FanDuel to not be concerned about money. I am not. You go on, on FanDuel. FanDuel to work and win the money. I am not on FanDuel. I'm making picks. <laughs> uh, I don't, listen, on all FanDuel, I, not Chanda. Listen. All I, all I know is that I want to talk I want to talk tennis with you every day, and I never want to go to Vegas with you. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> All right, here's the reminder. FanDuel giving all new users 10 times your first bet in bonus bets up to $200. Win or lose, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app now and start making every moment more. That was fun. Uh, we've got some must-see video on the way. We will show you the finished tennis product at the end of this assembly line. Ah, I watched this multiple times last night. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. All right, welcome back to TC Live and our friends at Tennis Point reminding us to check out the new 2023 limited edition Roland Garros collection by Wilson. 
lovely stuff. We begin, uh, we got the nine-pack and the six-pack tennis bags inspired by the biggest clay court tennis tournament in the world, the French Open. These bags, perfect for tennis enthusiasts who are looking for a durable, functional, and fashionable tennis bag to carry their gear to and from the court. We got the Super Tour backpack. That's sleek and stylish. Holds two rackets, includes a laptop sleeve, has enough room to store larger belongings as well. And then how about the Roland Garros Wilson collection with the rackets? We got the blade that rewards aggressive, precise ball strikers with a top-tier blend of connected-to-the-ball feel and stability. Sabalenka can be using that one in tomorrow's final. And then we've got the Clash 100 and the Clash 100L providing the perfect blend of playability and style if you're a seasoned pro or a casual player. Fans, as you see that QR code, you've got the opportunity to be more connected this spring with the 2023 limited edition Roland Garros collection by Wilson. Shop now with the QR code or tennispoint.com. We've got them out here as well. Uh, Andre, you, you were a Wilson player back in the day. Chandy, you played some Wilson as well. What do you think of these new sticks we got here? Well, like, or, yeah, I already feel more like Zabalenka <laughs> holding this record. I wish I could have felt that way when I was still playing. But, uh, you know, the French are so annoying. They are always so aesthetically pleasing. Um, so They're beautiful. Yeah, they beautiful are very, very beautiful. Classy. Nice. Gorgeous. A little light, though. A little headlight. I need, I need okay. some. Put some tape, a little lead tape on there, weight it down a little bit. Just a little something. I love the logos. Andy, did you get the custom Roland Garros stuff when you went over to Paris? I didn't, but you know, Steve, my favorite thing about you is your versatility. You know, we do tennis one day, you do NFL one day, you do home shopping network another day. This is just amazing stuff. You're like MacGyver. You're like a Swiss Sunday, Steve Weissman. I appreciate you, Andy. You know, whatever they tell me to do, they're like, oh, you may even get a free racket out of this. I'm like, sold. <laughs> free Shameless. is me. Shameless. <laughs> uh, once again, our, our friends, TennisPoint.com, doing a great job there. So do we keep these? Uh, I think Huska said he needs them for one more thing, that then we get to take them home. <laughs> more highlights. So we got ATP Challenger highlights. Exo-Provence. How about Carlos Alcaraz turning 20 today? That makes Luca Van Asha... The only teenager in the top 100 playing the great Andy Murray in the quarterfinals. Beautiful court, uh, Roddick, and, and Murray's able to take out the team. Yeah, Murray's actually looked great. And it, like we said the other day, he's actually winning matches in a straightforward manner. We're used to these knockdown, drag-out fights, but he's moving the ball around the court uh, as well as I've seen. And also, can we talk about, listen, one of the greatest men's players of all time, not having an ego, going to a challenger, still yelling at people. I love it all. But uh, look at But to way to get through. Look how much this means to me. He's at a challenger, Steve. This guy has won Wimbledon a couple of times. Gold medal, U.S. Open, 46 or 48 titles, something ridiculous. Look how much that means to him. I got a lot of time for Andy Murray, always. I love that. Th this challenger Final Four has more majors than the one in Madrid. We got Murray, we got former top tenor David Goffin, who beat the next highest-ranked team, Arthur Feast, today. Oh, yeah, Tommy Paul's in there as well. Pretty cool, Andrea, to see this challenger next on Provence with all this talent. When I come back to my next life, I want to be a challenger in the second week of a Masters because they get the best players ever. It's the best thing. Everyone wants to play. They want to have matches. They want to compete. And what Andy said is so true. The other Andy over the ocean... He's just, you, you see what he loves. It's the sport. He doesn't care about the 
ranking points. He does care, of course, we all do, but he really plays it for the sport, and a win is a win is a win, no matter if in Aix-en-Provence or in Madrid. Beautiful court there as well. Yeah, looking forward to those matches. All right, we had some doubles on the women's side in Madrid. Coco Goff, Jesse Pagula facing Marta Kostyuk and Elena Gabriela Rus Chanda. And this was this was a battle. It was, and it was Kostyuk and, and Rus who got up three love in the first set. Looked like they were well on their way, but it is never over when you are playing such a dynamic team as Pagula and Goff, able to take care of business up there at the net. And with Kostyuk and, and Rus serving for the set, it was Pagula being a little more aggressive. They got the break, and of course, the advantage went to the American duo. Golf showing her movement and athleticism around the court as well, and a good eye there. That ball well out for them to take the first set advantage. The second set would be a little bit tighter, but again, it's the confidence, the understanding of how to move, how to just apply additional pressure, and Golf at the net wanting the ball, Pagula backing her up, and right there, just that little threat of poaching got the miss. So a big win for golf and Pagula. Second straight WTA 1000 final, looking for their third team title this year and sixth overall. Well, time to get you ready for the women's final tomorrow. It was just a couple weeks ago, Andrea, that Iga Sviantek and Arena Sabalenka met in the final in Stuttgart. It was just a couple weeks ago, and Sviantek looked so solid. But I have to say, the match was much, much tighter than it looked. Every game went to deuces and advantages in Zabalenka. Unfortunately, we talked about it, hitting double faults in the most untimely manners on breakpoints and deuces and whatnot. And uh, this, I, this gives me just the thought that Chiantek is going to take it tomorrow as well because she was just so solid and she was aggressive when she needed to be but also so solid and she ran away with it and she looked so good doing it. Defended her title, picked up another Porsche. Let's hear from her. Playing against Arena is always pretty tough and you have to really be intensive and um, and keep her focused. So for now I'm just going to rest and use the time properly to get, um, you know, my fuel up. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure that I'm going to be ready for the final and tactically I'll prepare tomorrow. All right, another birthday today, May 5th. How about this? Arena Sabalenka turning the big 2-5 today. Uh, that cake, Andrea, looks a, a bit smaller than the one Carlitos got. I, I was very disappointed by the size of this cake because mm. Carlitos, if I remember correctly, had three um, three tiers. Yeah. Three tiers of cake, not yeah. only one. So something to work on there, Madrid. Are we, start, are we trying to start some mess here? Just yeah. saying. A little messy. Just, yeah. <laughs> not saying, just yes. saying. I'm throwing shade. He only had <laughs> one layer. He had three. Yeah. <laughs> I would want three layers, too. I'd have been mad about that. Absolutely. Too. The more layers, the better. And, and she's older. She should get more layers, yeah. right? More candles, more layers. Right. All right. By the way, first time in nearly 25 years that we get uh, world number one and two facing each other in back-to-back -back finals. Our own Lindsay Davenport, Martin. Tina Hengis back in 2000. But Sabalenka was very clear. She said, I want my revenge. Chanda, how does she get it? You know, I think she's got to play almost perfect tennis, and that's the challenge. I mean, can anybody really do that over the course of an entire match? But she may get some opportunities from Sviantek. I think Sabalenka's got to serve well. She has a great kick. 
I think that can be helpful, especially in the altitude. If she can maybe get that ball a little higher out of Shiantek's strike zone on the backhand, that can create some openings into the forehand, and she's got to go big into that forehand side. I also think Sabalenka's got to take opportunities to move in, finish at the net. When you hit the ball as big as Sabalenka does, you don't want to have to win the point two, three, or four times because it increases the risk. It increases your chances of missing. So I think she's got to really add that element to her game, even if she gets passed a few times, put that on Fiontech's mind, and that may give her the chance to get those opportunities she can capitalize on. Mm. She actually said that in Stuttgart, she was rushing on short balls, tried too hard for the winning shot, and Andy needs to have more patience. E easier said than done? Yeah, and this is very important, and I want to be on record for this, Steve, so you got to listen very carefully. I am all for cake equality. I just want that to be known. And also, I think I think also like we're talking we're talking about what Sabalenka has to do. But Sviantek, listen, we know we we think she's bulletproof on clay, and largely she's she's proven that out, right? But she served less than forty percent first serves in in the first set against Kudermatova was able to get away with it. That's not something that will work against the twenty twenty three version of Arena Sabalenka. So as much as Sabalenka has to do uh, to combat uh, the the strengths of Sviantek, Sviantek can't serve less than 40% and expect to get away with holding uh, regularly like she has uh, throughout the rest of the tournament. And I completely agree with Chanda that when uh, Sabalenka chooses to go flat and through the court, she has to go to Sviantek's uh, forehand. It's that kind of threading the needle thing, though, because if she leaves one hanging, that's the side that uh, Iga can create the most space with. But I uh, can't wait for this matchup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree with both of you 100%. And she had a, a similar hiccup in the second set, actually, with her serve against Sabalenka and just got away with it because Sabalenka just couldn't take the opportunity and she will make sure to not have that happen tomorrow again. And I think Chanda nailed it when she said with the backhand and the forehand, in an ideal world where you have all the weapons at your disposal, you will play the higher out of the strike zone ball to Iga's backhand and the flat hard shot to her forehand. That's an ideal world. But I think if somebody can pull it off, maybe Zabalenka tomorrow. Shriantik, 9-0 on clay this year, 46-3 on that surface since Roland Garros 2020. It's a tough task. Cake equality. Andy Roddick with the line That's of the right. day. That's right. As we That's enter right. the social net, and we, we, we flash back to Monday. Uh, Chanda, you didn't get to see all these photos. Uh, Roger Federer, the co-host of the Met Gala, obviously. Our guy, Andy, styling and profiling with his wife, Brooklyn, there as well. Uh, what do you make of, of the tennis royalty on the red carpet at the Met? I mean, tennis royalty, they deserve to be there. There needs to be representation of the tennis world everywhere, and especially here. And I thought... Andy looked so clean, and his wife was gorgeous. Uh, I just had fun. I, I watched, saw some of these pictures on social media. I was, you know, kind of tuning in. I was a little jealous I wasn't on the show, but I was watching. Uh, and, and it was just a lot of fun to see who's going to be wearing what, to see who's going to be eating up the camera. Because that's what we're talking about now, who ate. Right. <laughs> so that's what I was looking for, and it was just a lot of fun to watch. But, Andy, just one question. What? Just remind me, what happened to the socks again? There are socks in there, uh, Pekka. You just can't see them. Uh, okay, okay. Listen, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a true fashionista, and I made my decisions, and I stand by it. I, I said what I said. I, I love that for you. I love that for you. And Serena Williams announcing the pregnancy. Second child. Uh, congratulations. Absolutely great stuff. By the way, Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova uh, said she didn't get the invite to go, but if she had, she, she was ready. She had the outfit ready to go. What do you make of uh, her footwear there, Andy? 
I mean, if you just add like a cat head to it or something, then you're like, you, you, you'd you fit right in. I will tell you one thing about Monday night. Monday night looked a lot better than Tuesday morning felt. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but you know what the funny thing about these shoes is? It would still be only the second most controversial shoe look of the evening with Andy Roddick with the uh, no socks look. Oh, I see what you did there. I mean, by the way, <laughs> I mean, Jared Leto was a cat, I believe. I mean, she'd fit right in. <laughs> there were some crazy costumes there. Did you see Jared yeah, inside? They, yeah, yeah, I saw him when we were leaving. But the weirdest thing is that you don't, you know, kind of uh, like the people that aren't relevant at all, like uh, like me. We walk in first to make room for like the giant cats that are going to walk through <laughs> later. And so, but we're not on our phones, you know. We're guests of someone else, so we're inside, kind of just mingling. And then all of a sudden, you like you're inside, no context at all, and you see a cat walk by. Totally normal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nastia would, would have fit right in. We, we love that. All right, check out this video showing the process of making a tennis ball. It, it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, Andrea, you were saying it, look, it looks like, like food at one point. Yeah, it does. I thought this was candy or cake making, and I was my mouth was watering after that sad, sad cake Arena Sabalenka got compared to the Carlos Alcaraz cake. But it turns out it's only tennis ball, so no need to be jealous here. Did you know it took yeah, this I, I much never, work? I, I never realized that a tennis ball would look this appetizing right up until the felt, Steve. I, <laughs> like, I'm watching, like, th through the first half of this little highlight, all I want is some powdered sugar and, uh, and a fork. I just, I'm imagining the smell. I don't know why. That's what, you know, you open a can of tennis balls and it, that fresh tennis ball smell. Yeah. Like, is that what it feels like or smells like for them actually making the balls? Also, and is it too much? Is there really this much manual labor that goes into making tennis ball? Because they're yeah. fairly cheap, I would say, if this is how much work goes into it. I have so many questions right now. Right? I, really do. I, I think I have more questions than before. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that, this is fascinating, but well done yeah. to these artisans. We need them, and so we are grateful for them. We are indeed. Weapons of choice. Saturday's schedule, the ATP doubles final, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, and then it goes down once again in the Magic Box. One versus two, Sviantek, Sabalenka, 12.30 Eastern, followed by TC Live. More show coming up next. Andy, Andy, Chad, Steve, back on TC Live. Roddick, we picked out your favorite shot from the Alcaraz match for our hot shot of the day. Yeah, we know he is this church. It's a great job shot here. And then Alcaraz picks it up, uh, takes out a sandwich, gets it up and down, Steve. And as we play this back, so we see Chorch at the drop shot. At this point, I'm going line, lob. I didn't have drop shot on my bingo card there, Steve. Unbelievable <laughs> stuff from Alcaraz. And George goes to his coach, why didn't you tell me he had that also? What's going on here? Too many options. Way too many options. Well, the featured matches for championship weekend on Saturday. We've got Sviantek Sabalenka. Then on Sunday, it is Alcaraz and Struff. For a preview, here's Danny and Prakash from Madrid. All right, Steve, back at our FanDuel desk. P, we're getting a rematch of the Stuttgart final that we just saw a couple weeks ago. Iga Sviantek, Arena Savalenka, who is going to walk away with the hardware? Well, we, we got to catch up with Arena earlier this week, and she said, I want this match. I want this rematch against Iga. I've been losing too much to her. I think she's got the game to be able to get it done. I mean, she's had a win in the past. She beat her at the WTA finals last year, lost a tough one at the U.S. Open. It was a little more straightforward in Stuttgart. I like these conditions for her. I think the altitude is actually going to help Sabalenka a bit. If she can keep the Unforest Era is down. I'm calling it, D. I'm calling the number two seed getting the dub. 
Wow, Sabalenka winning her second Madrid title. P, I'm glad you picked a winner there. We'll see what happens. Looking forward to all the action from Championship Saturday here in Madrid. The two Andys, both with, with audible O's. <laughs> well. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Look, if anybody can, I think it's Sabalenka. She's yeah. got that kind of power. And a couple of things I've been impressed with with Sabalenka as well is the pressure moments she's come through, playing against a youngster in Andreva. All the pressure mm. was on her. She was down a set and a break against Sharif, got back uh, and, and was able to win that match. So I think there are a couple of things that could give her some confidence. She was mad about not getting that Porsche, too. Yeah. She, she doesn't want to destroy another, yeah. <laughs> another, uh, another trophy or something from from her opponent. Um, once again, we've got to we got to show you the the cake inequality from today. <laughs> I mean, on the left you've got Sabalenka, one tier, a variety of candles, a lot of candles, a lot of candle love. But doesn't she have Sabalenka those firework candles? So yeah. does that make it better? Like, does yes. that give that cake a little more yeah, of an edge? Yeah, it does a little bit, but <laughs> a little bit better. Also, but there is nobody behind her. There is zero people and Carlos has like 20 yes. people around there congratulating him so a very lonely birthday but that is the typical <laughs> birthday we have on tour is the lonely one yeah, did you I play think. on your birthday I my birthday is on September 9th so the one time I was in the quarters of the US Open I had it in during a tournament most at the, the, the most of the other times I'm out already at that time. <laughs> so yeah I was mostly home all right did you get a cake I did not get a cake. Oh, no. I got flowers. Okay. okay. Just a thing that dies like my tennis career. <laughs> well, we do have to... <laughs> Come on. You're not alone. Everyone <laughs> goes through it, right? As you say, I mean, listen, Father Time waits for no one. Yeah. It yeah. catches yeah. up with all of us. Uh, Andrea's got a flight to catch, so we've got to wrap up the show. But we do want to say what a fantastic job you've done for Thank us you. here. Uh, our guy Richard Evans loves Andrea as a player. Now lighting up the Tennis Channel screens with lucid commentary. Mm, yes. That's a word I never heard in, in <laughs> association it. with myself, but thank you, Richard. I love it, and I'm glad I got a little bit of that light shined on me. Yes. Thank moment. you, Thank Tessa. you. <laughs> That's so nice. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a blast. We'll see you later this summer. Yes. All right. Fantastic. Andy, want to say bye to Andrea? No. <laughs> Pe no, Pekka, you are awesome, and listen... Listen, Richard Evans, great use of the word lucid. She speaks 17 languages yeah. and didn't have it in her arsenal. So well done, Richard Evans. <laughs> well done. To, oh, and well done to Andrea Pekovic. Way to go. Both of you. Not lame, but both lucid and lethal. Andrea Pekovic. Perfect. We'll let you catch your flight. We'll see you. you. We'll see you later in the summer. Thanks, everybody, for watching TC Live. Happy birthday to, to Carlitos, to Arena, to Chris Eubanks, and everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.